Psalm 55, the psalm that was read for us earlier. Psalm 55. Uh, a psalm, as you listen to it, that's full of negative emotions. And uh, a question to get us started, what do you do with negative emotions? What do you do with anger and frustration, with uh, shame and disgrace, with discouragement and, and depression and despair? What do you do with fear and anxiety, with feelings of doubt or betrayal by God? We may not have all of these emotions, but we all have some of them. And uh, just a story from my own life, one time I shared an apartment with a young guy who at one point felt that God was telling him to quit his job and to fast for 40 days. Now, um, even though I would have liked to have been, I was not in favor of this guy's doing this for a couple reasons. One, whenever God told him something and he acted on it, it always went poorly. And... <laughs> And, and secondly, because um, he was generally irresponsible with his finances and always on the edge of financial disaster. And so this idea of quitting his job was problematic. But he did it anyway. He, he quit his job. He, he fasted for a day, for two days, for a week. And then after two weeks or, or three weeks, I don't remember how long, but well before the 40 days was up, he, he gave up. He was hungry. And uh, he'd quit his job. He'd run out of money. It, this wasn't the first time he'd run out of money. And so he couldn't buy groceries. And so he started eating my food out of my fridge without asking me about it. Um, he was just taking it. And, and when I confronted him on it, he told me, well, the body of Christ is supposed to share and be generous, which is true. But it always seemed to just go one way in my relationship with him. Um, and I was fed up. I was beyond frustrated. I felt angry. I felt judgmental toward him. I was having negative emotions. Our negative emotions often come in response to, to problems that we're having in relationships. And, and it's hard to know what to do with these emotions, isn't it? These emotions are dark. They're, they're yucky. They, they, we, we feel that they're wrong, that we, we shouldn't be feeling them, but we can't help ourselves. Well, different people have different ways of dealing with these emotions. Some of us stuff our emotions down. We, we, we push them down, we ignore them, we hide them. Others of us give full, event, or full vent to our emotions. And it is an event when we do that, isn't it? We, we, we go with our feelings no matter where our feelings take us. And whatever way we have of dealing with negative emotions, we often learn these ways from our families growing up or um, from our churches and the way they handled them. And often the ways we've learned, picked up over the years of how to deal with these emotions aren't healthy ways because our families weren't healthy maybe or maybe our church and our church leaders weren't healthy in the way they dealt with their emotions. And in the case of a church, it's, it's a double whammy because we think this must be the godly way of dealing with negative emotions because this is the way the church is doing it, teaches us to do it. And, and often as churches, what in fact is happening is we just wind up putting the stamp of God on our own unhealthiness. So I'd like us to examine this, this topic of negative emotions this morning. And to help us do this, let's look at the Psalms because the Psalms are full of emotions, all sorts of emotions, positive ones like praise and thanksgiving and hope and trust and joy, and also negative ones like anger and depression. And, and shame and, and fear and anxiety and even questioning and accusing God. 
You name a negative emotion, and it's, it's expressed in the Psalms. And one of the reasons God gave us all of these Psalms is to help us to learn to deal with our negative emotions in healthy ways. And so this morning, let's look at just one Psalm, Psalm 55, as an example of what many others could tell us if we could look at all those. In this Psalm that was read for us, King David, who wrote many of the Psalms, is being attacked by enemies. And as a result, his life is in danger. And these attacks aren't primarily physical or military, but rather they seem to be, as is often in the case of politics, verbal attacks. If you look at verse 3, there's, there's evidently a, a powerful group in the capital of Jerusalem who have allied themselves against David, and they're threatening David, they're making threats and demands, it seems, and they're slandering him, lying about him behind his back, verse 11. They're making up nasty lies to turn people against him, perhaps to ruin his reputation, to stir up outrage and rebellion against him. David's name has become mud as a result of these lies. His character has been assassinated, and it's all completely false. And because he's king, his whole government and the stability and the order that it represents is being threatened, verses 9 to 11. There's violence in the streets, in the city. There's unrest. I don't know if you've ever experienced people telling nasty lies about you, maybe when you were in junior high, maybe since then. I have, as a, as a pastor, I've had people say things about me which weren't true just to turn those people against me. And, and I, can, I can tell you how much it hurts. And what hurt David most as he's experiencing this was that one of the ringleaders of those who were attacking him wasn't even an enemy or a political opponent, but it was one of David's own close friends, verses 13 and 14. And not just any friend, but, but a friend in the faith, someone who had shared with David in, in their common love for God, a, a sworn friend and ally before God. And, and this is the very one who now is at the center of this painful, devastating attack on David. Nothing hurts as bad as when a good, trusted friend stabs you in the back. You can see why David is feeling negative emotions, right? And so in this psalm, David pours them out in prayer. And so let's look at this prayer and see what, what he does with these emotions and how he handles them. I see four lessons here of how to handle your negative emotions in a healthy way. First, from this psalm, we learn, if we can have the first slide that it's more healthy to admit our negative emotions than to stuff them. David doesn't hide the fact that he's angry, he's worried, he's anxious, he's afraid. Rather, in verse 2, he says, My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. Verses 4 and 5, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. You know, we think of David as, as being so brave, as that, that valiant warrior who, who even as a courageous youth had, had fought the giant Goliath. But here David is so scared, he just wants to run away and hide somewhere safe. He says in verse 6, I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. Then in verse 15, David expresses his anger. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead. Worry, 
fear, anger. These are really negative emotions. Godly people aren't supposed to worry or be anxious. They're supposed to trust God and, and not be afraid. They're supposed to love people, not be so angry at them that they hope they die. But David feels all these negative emotions, and he doesn't hide them. He doesn't stuff them. Instead, he lets himself feel them. This was something I had to learn when I first got married, particularly with anger. I didn't have a healthy way of, of dealing with my own anger. I thought that, that anger was bad and, and that um, nice people didn't get angry. And, and so when Anne would do or say something that would make me angry, I would I just stuff that anger and I'd try to go on being nice. The, the problem was that... Um, I was really still feeling angry inside, and when I was feeling angry, I couldn't be nice. <laughs> and and um, that's because that stuffed anger was down there. It was making me feel distant from Anne. It was making me feel resentful, and it would come out in coldness toward her or, or in passive-aggressive ways. And uh, that didn't make her feel very loved at all. She didn't think I was really nice, even though I was trying hard to be nice. <laughs> and, and so over time, I realized that anger is like rotten food that's spoiled. If you just hide it under the rug or you hide it back in some corner, that doesn't mean it's gone. <laughs> you know, it's still there and before long it starts to stink. You've got to deal with it. You've got to clean it up. Now, if God has commanded us things like don't worry, don't be afraid, put away your anger, then why, on the one hand, if he's commanded us those things, on the other hand, does he give us in the, his Bible the Psalms, a prayer book, that are full of sample prayers to teach us to pray, and these prayers are full of these expressions of these negative emotions. They're full of worry. They're full of anger. They're full of fear. Well, let me suggest two reasons. The first is because negative emotions aren't always sinful. They can be, but, but not always, because you see, emotions are messy, they're complicated. Take anger again, for instance. The Bible tells us repeatedly to beware of our anger, to, uh, to be slow to anger, to put away our anger. But it also says, be angry and don't sin. Negative emotions like anger often represent a muddled mix of good motives and, and sinful motives. Second, Admit it, sinful as negative emotions may sometimes be, we all feel them. Our hearts and our, our minds all go there. Like David, we get afraid, we get, we get anxious, we get worried, we get angry. We, we get down, we get depressed, we even get to the place of despair sometimes. And when we feel these things, and, and, and when we sin, let's say in some cases it is sin, what should we do? Should we, should we stuff these emotions? Should we cover them over and conceal them and pretend that we aren't feeling them? Do you think God's fooled by that? No, rather God, what, what God has, what, sorry, rather what has God told us to do when we sin? He's told us to admit our sins, to, to come clean, to, to, to come into the open and to confess our sins to God. It's Pharisees who are the ones who hide their sins and pretend they're not there, who, who fake it, who, who put on a pious face, but meanwhile they're dying inside because they aren't dealing with what's really going on, on inside of them. And so they grow cold, they grow resentful, they grow numb, they have 
not very much intimacy in their relationships. But followers of Jesus, on the other hand, they know they sin and, and they're not afraid to admit their sins and to acknowledge those sins to God, to ask for forgiveness where they need to ask for forgiveness. So if we shouldn't stuff our negative emotions, if we shouldn't hide them, if we should admit them and acknowledge them and allow ourselves to, to feel them, then what do we do with them? What do we do with these emotions we're feeling? Because they're so strong, right? Some emotions are like a whirlwind. They can get out of control. They can do a lot of damage. They can take us to unhealthy places that we don't want to go. So here's the second lesson the psalm teaches. It's more healthy to let our negative emotions fuel our prayers than our actions. You know, a lot of people who read the psalms are scandalized by all the violent thoughts that the psalmists have. How they ask God to destroy their enemies. Well, let me ask you, which is better, to, to ask God to destroy your enemies or to go destroy them yourself? Whether it's with an army or whether it's with your tongue. And, and that's what David never does. He never settles his own scores. He doesn't lash out in anger against those who've hurt him. No, oh, David's a warrior. He, he courageously fights God's battles, but notice David never fights his own. Oh, he's angry at those who've hurt him and wronged him, but, but he doesn't act out in that anger. Rather, he pours out his anger to God and, and he leaves it in God's hands to do what's fair and just. And David doesn't act on his other negative emotions either. When he's depressed, he, he doesn't give up on life, but rather he, he talks to God. He, he talks to himself. He, he encourages himself to put his hope in God. When David's afraid like he is here, he doesn't run away. He, he goes to God and he, he, he trusts God to be his protector. David refuses to let his negative emotions direct his actions. You know, this is a hard lesson, but it, it's an important one. I have, I've had instances where people ha have hurt me badly and unjustly. And, and I just wanted to lash out at them. And so you know what I did? I sat down and I wrote them an email. I wrote them a, a, a nasty email, an angry email. And uh, it, it felt so good to tell them how bad they'd been and how wrong they'd been and how hurt and angry I was. But I never sent those emails. Instead, when I, when I was done writing them, I, I prayed. I offered those feelings to God. In some cases, I repented <laughs> of having those feelings. And then I deleted the email. It would have been wrong for me to act on my negative emotions. Now, I did need to go talk to those people, but... Not in the heat of my anger. I needed to, to pray through it, to, to pray through it until I'd calmed down enough that I could go humbly and more calmly and, and try to have a constructive conversation with those people. So David refuses to let his negative emotions fuel his actions. Instead, he lets them fuel his prayers. He pours out all of his anguish, all of his hurt, all of his passion into these prayers. And look at the amazing prayers we have as a result. The Psalms aren't polite prayers. They aren't pious prayers. They aren't pretend prayers. They're, they're real. They're raw. They're honest prayers. And, and that's how God wants us to pray to him. These are the prayers he's given us as examples. Third lesson from the Psalms about healthy ways to deal with our negative emotions. And that's not to let those emotions 
express or expose others, but rather to let those emotions expose ourselves. This is what I mean. When, when someone else has disappointed us, when, um, when they've let us down or they've broken our heart, or, or when things haven't worked out the way we hoped and we're looking for someone to blame, often we just want to think about how wronged we've been and, and how it's the other person's fault. And in our minds and hearts, we often rehearse the other people's faults. We go over and over again, all the rotten qualities that we've discovered about this other person. But this doesn't help them and it doesn't help us. In fact, it can actually immobilize us and paralyze us because we've made ourselves the victim and, and therefore we've given them all the power over us. You know, over the years I've had spouses come to me who um, were deeply hurt and, and angry in their marriage. And um, they desperately wanted someone who would listen to all the ways that, that they'd been wronged and how unfair it was. And, and after they'd, they'd gotten done sharing all of their anger and all of their bitterness, they were no better off. And, and the other spouse wasn't there, so we couldn't fix the perpetrator. And more than that, we couldn't even get the other side of the story because there's always another side of the story. And so after listening and sympathizing for a while, I've learned to say, you know, um, let's not keep focusing on all the ways that your spouse has wronged you because there's nothing you or I can do about that. Your spouse isn't here. Uh, but you're here. And if you want, we can work on you. We can work on how you're going to respond to all this hurt. And... Um, and what you might be able to learn about yourself from it. And what you can do to improve your relationship. Because those are things that you are in control of. And what I'm trying to do there is, is to let that person's negative emotions expose themselves instead of exposing the other person. And that's what the psalmists do. We don't see it so much in this psalm, but we see it in others. Sure, the psalmists do. They vent and they complain about the other guy. But, but then they get around to dealing with themselves and with examining themselves. And they ask God to search their hearts and to examine and to, to test them. Jerry Scazzaro has written a, a great book called um, I Quit. Stop pretending everything is fine and change your life. Um, and it's on the subject of becoming emotionally healthy. And she gives some helpful insights into what our negative emotions can teach us about ourselves. She talks specifically about anger, fear, and sadness. And she points out that anger can help us to clarify what our values are, uh, to realize unmet expectations that we may have, and to show us our, our own sin. Uh, first, anger can clarify what our values are. For example, I, I once had a housemate who was very blunt in the way that he talked. And I often found myself getting angry at him. And, and when I examined it, I realized that below that anger, I was feeling hurt by, by the way he talked to me. You know, anger is called a secondary emotion because often as you explore that anger, you find that under it is another emotion like hurt or betrayal or fear. And, and so I was hurt. And I realized that the reason I was hurt was because I place a strong value on kindness and politeness. That um, that's how my family always talked to one another. That's how we showed one another that we cared. 
And it was helpful for me to be able to say to my housemate, not just that the way that you talk, you talk to me is insensitive and it makes me angry, but rather to say that I value your speaking to me in a kind way. That's important to me. That may not be important to you, but it's important to me. Um, so I, my anger was exposing something about myself and what I valued, not so much something that was wrong with the other person, although it may have been. Second, our anger can also show us our unmet expectations. <clears throat> you know, when we had babies in the house, um, one of the fights that Ann and I sometimes had was that she'd get angry at me if I got home from work late and I hadn't called her to warn her. And we're not talking about an hour late. We're talking about 10 or 15 minutes late. And um, I thought she was being unreasonable. And so we'd have a big argument about it. I'd say, you don't know how, you know, how late other people's husbands are. You should cut me a break. But what helped us was with, when Anne realized and helped me to realize what the unmet, unmet expectation was that, that was feeding her anger. And that was that as a young mom, some days were really hard. And, um, and she was counting the minutes until I showed up to help her. <laughs> That's right, yes. <laughs> She's not the only one. <laughs> um, and if I, if I wasn't there when she expected me to be there and I hadn't called to help her adjust her expectations, she'd start to feel desperate. And, and so once she, um, she and I realized the expectations that she had, instead of always having a fight every time I got home late, we, we were able to have a conversation and to work out a plan for her to know when to expect me and what realistic expectations were. So anger can help us to um, discover what our unrealized expectations are. Third, our anger may also show us our sin. Um, I've gotten angry at my kids before for uh, selfishly taking the last piece of dessert. Don't you hate it when they do that? But when I examined it, do you know why I was so angry at them for being so selfish? Because I wanted the last piece of dessert. <laughs> I was being selfish too. Our, our anger can show us our own sinful attitudes. So anger has a lot to teach us about ourselves if we let it to ex allow it to expose ourselves rather than exposing the other person. It can also teach us about our fears. Uh, Scazzaro in her book mentions that our most common fears can be grouped into three major areas. Fears of making mistakes, fears of relaxing, that's endemic in Westchester County, Putnam County, and uh, the fear of rejection. First, maybe you grew up with a parent who, who belittled you or uh, criticized you when you messed up. And so all through life, you, you've been afraid to make a mistake. And that fear keeps you from trying new things or stepping out in the plans that God has for you. Or second, maybe you grew up in a family like I did, which valued working hard. And the one time that my dad showed his displeasure toward us was when there was work to do and we weren't doing it. And so I learned from growing up that it wasn't safe to relax, that you always had to be doing something. And in this case, my working hard isn't commendable. It isn't something that's pleasing to God, but it's rather just a reaction to, to my inner fear that if I stop and relax, somehow I'm being bad, that I'm going to be disapproved, disapproved of. A third common fear is, is the fear of rejection. Maybe we felt rejected as a child by a parent or by the kids at school. And, and it hurts so much that we've vowed to never let it happen again. 
And so we go through life and we've always got to say what people want us to say. We've got to do what they expect because we can't stand the thought that they might reject us. Can you see how each of these fears can, can trap us, can control us, can, can keep us from following that all that God has for us and, and can keep us from loving the other people that God's called us to love? Examining our fears can teach us about ourselves and, and point, point the way to our growth and to our healing. Finally, let's talk briefly about sadness, another negative emotion, and, and along with it, discouragement, sorrow, some depression. These emotions can also teach us a lot about ourselves. I was once at a church which was run exclusively by the pastor. This church was his show. And, and, it, and I happened to disagree um, as time went on with his vision, with what he valued, and with the way he went about doing things. But for a number of reasons, mostly because I had an overdeveloped sense of faithfulness and commitment, I felt like I should stay there at that church. And um, I had an important job in the church to set up each week and to run the sound system. And I hadn't been able to find anyone else to help me do it. And so every Sunday, it all depended on me. And, and I could never have a Sunday off. And, and I had to be there to help this pastor to run his show, which I was disagreeing with more and more. And um, I had growing ministry visions of my own. I had aspirations, but I felt stuck. And, and guess what? I started to feel sad. I started to, to get discouraged. I started to feel depressed, especially in church on Sunday mornings. And do you know what my response was? I, I chided myself. I, I put pressure on myself. I, I felt I should be happy, especially at church. I should make a joyful noise. I should um, rejoice in the Lord. Looking back, and instead of rejecting my sadness, maybe I should have spent more time paying attention to it. And what it was trying to tell me about, um, about who God had made me and, and what my calling was, which was growing in my life. If we listen to them, our negative emotions can teach us a lot about ourselves. All right, fourth, finally, uh, fourth lesson that the Psalms teach us about handling our negative emotions in a healthy way, and that is to let our negative emotions draw us toward God not away from God. It's tempting to let them drive us away from God. After all, we, we're having bad feelings. We're having wrong feelings. And, and we think good Christians aren't supposed to feel this way. And so we feel guilty. And so we're tempted to hide from God. Or maybe we're mad at God and, and we feel rejected by God. Bad things have happened and God didn't stop them. And we feel angry. We feel betrayed by God. And so we pull away spiritually. The psalmists have all these feelings, too. They, they question God. They, they accuse God. But they don't let those emotions and questions pull them away. No, just the opposite. They use those negative emotions to fight and wrestle their way back to God. In our psalm, the psalmist struggles with the, with the pain and, and fear and, and anger that he's feeling. And his life, his kingdom are in real danger, and it, and it hurts so deeply. And where is God? Isn't God faithful? Hasn't God promised to take care of him? And as the psalmist struggles and prays, he, he, he finds his way back to God. We see this in uh, verse 19 where David comes to remember God who is enthroned from of old, who, who does not change. He will hear my enemies and humble them because they have no fear of God. 
and verses 22 to 23. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken, but you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. This isn't where David starts. But over time, as David prays, he gets back to the place where he can remember that God is in control and that God is good, even if he doesn't understand it. And so he gets to the place where he can trust and he can wait on God to fight his battles for him. And so David comes back to a place of trust. And when you trust, you can have peace, you can have confidence, you can have courage to do what's right and good. So negative emotions, they can teach us a lot. And so here's the challenge from this passage for us. We're in the midst of this series on following Jesus and, and using this tool of a circle to, to help us. And the circle outlines for us a process to help us pay attention to God and to, to hear from God and, and to learn the lessons that God is trying to teach us and, and to respond in repentance and faith to those lessons and to walk in what God is, is calling us to do. And this process starts when God starts nudging us to grow and, and starts trying to get our attention. We've been calling this a kairos. And, and here's the thing. Our negative emotions are often kairoses. And so we shouldn't stuff them and we shouldn't just run out and act on them, but rather we should slow down and listen to them. We should pay attention and pray through what God may want to teach us through these emotions about ourselves and about him. For those of you who can make it to the discussion group,